Welcome to Tackling the NFL. We are back and trying to recover after watching 13 football games <laughs> in one day. It was it was honestly a little tiring just you know sitting on the sitting on the sofa watching TV all day which seems counterintuitive but it was also awesome. I am Josh Rosenberg. I'm here with my co-host Adam Baltax. Adam how did you feel watching football for, or at least NFL football, for the first time since February? You know, uh, it, it was pretty crazy because the 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 viewage of football was very exponential. We went from seeing nothing to that one game on Thursday to 13 games in one day, and I don't I'm not sure if my body was quite ready for it, but it it was a lot of fun because it's been a while since we got to watch some football. Yeah, it was it was intense. I really got to say, I think that. The game quality was pretty good for the most part, but I was not happy with the way that the games were spread out. So obviously they had one game on Thursday. Great. That's what they always do. And then they had nine 1 p.m. games and only three 4 p.m. games. And it made it impossible to really like watch much of any one 1 p.m. game and like fully comprehend when you're just sort of bouncing around on a red zone from all the games. They could have spread it out is what I'm saying. Like they didn't need to have so few games in the 4 p.m. slot. Yeah, but at the same time, we're not like most people. Most people just want to see their their. <laughs> so I mean, I, I can understand the NFL doing what they did, but it, it was a lot. It was a lot. That's true. I just I didn't ask to have to for my two uh, games on cable TV to be or whatever I guess local <laughs> TV to be the Browns Ravens, which was fun to watch because Lamar's awesome, but a blowout nonetheless. And, <laughs> disgusting, uh, disgusting game. Yeah. Fun when the Ravens are on offense and really brutal when the Browns are on oh offense. And we'll, talk, we'll talk more about that later. And then the Washington football team versus the Eagles, which had a surprising result, but was just a bad game to watch. Yeah, that, and historically, that, those games have been pretty boring, too. So it's not it's not like they were expecting much. But, yeah, I mean, that's what you get for being in the DMV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I just would have liked I would have liked to have been able to like actually watch Aaron Rodgers and see how that Vikings game went. I'm going to need to. I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna get Game Pass, but I'm definitely gonna need to look into the highlights for that game and see what I can yeah, get. Yeah, the the Aaron Rodgers that you claimed was completely old and out of it. Uh, we are gonna talk about this. We are gonna talk about this when we get to the Packers and Vikings. But let's just start. We're gonna go team by team, basically with our main takeaways from Week One. We'll overreact a little bit, underreact to some things, and just you know give our impressions on every team and what we think we saw will affect the season moving forward. I guess essentially. So let's just start with the Thursday night game. Adam, what did you see from the Chiefs that you really just took away from the game as something that surprised you, I guess? Yeah, so so this game was was pretty uh, – I, I went pretty much how I expected it to go. The the Chiefs were just too much for the, for the Texans. The Texans weren't terrible, but, I mean, the Chiefs are just smothering. They had the same team as last year, but now they have a running attack. So, I mean, this is quite clearly the best team in the NFL – but I'm not. I'm. I'm actually like I loved David Johnson in that game. It surprised me because, hmm. obviously, obviously he's no DeAndre Hopkins, but he was a lot more than I expected him to be. Eleven carries for seventy-seven yards. He had the first touchdown of the twenty twenty season. He had three receptions for thirty-two yards. With Duke Johnson also being injured now, I could totally see David Johnson stepping up in that role. I was just impressed. It was more than I expected. Interesting. Okay. That was not the takeaway I got. I actually, I was impressed by David Johnson. The thing is that he was facing the Chiefs rushing defense, which has never been good. And that's not really a problem because it's very hard to keep up with the Chiefs if you uh, intend to run the ball for the entire game. 
uh, the Titans found that out last year. And it's just not an effective way to really beat them. So I think that he ran the ball relatively effectively, but I thought the Texans play calling was a disaster because they ran so much. But for me, I actually was looking at the other side of the ball for, or sorry, the other team running the ball. Cause I thought the chief, the chiefs having a rushing attack is an entirely new concept. Last year, their rush offense was not very good due to a combination of bad running backs. Patrick Mahomes wasn't really at full strength. So he wasn't quite as much of a threat. And so teams decided to just give up on the running backs and just, focus on stopping Mahomes and the Chiefs didn't really make them pay with a combination of Damian Williams and God, who else? They had LaShawn McCoy uh, for, a por- for a portion of last Damian year. Damian Williams or Daryl Williams? Oh, which, one, no, they, which one opted out? No, no, no. Damian Williams opted out, but they had both them last year. Yeah, so I, that's this why year, I always get them confused. Yep. This year, they drafted Clyde Edwards Slayer in the first round, which was awesome. It was really fun to watch. But I think one of the most impactful things for the Chiefs rushing offense was them signing Kalechi Osemele to the offensive yeah. line. Wow. It was, he was so good. He was so good run blocking. He's been a consistently good offensive guard for the majority of his career. He didn't play last year, and he was cut by the Jets after a medical disagreement. I think he got a surgery that the team didn't think he needed. I, I generally side with the player in these cases. So clearly it worked out. He's now on the Chiefs because he's filling in for, I believe, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. And yeah. he was fantastic last night. Yeah, it was, it was well on Thursday night, but yeah, it was, it was oh, very God, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just a note, actually, we're recording this episode on Monday, so we're doing this before the Monday night games have been played, so we won't be talking about that yet. We'll get to it later. The one other thing I wanted to get to the rushing game with Clyde edwards solaire he was so good in the open field. Uh, according to Next Gen stats, he was thirty-eight. He averaged thirty-eight yards above expectation, or had thirty-eight yards above expectation, and he faced a lot of light boxes. He had six or fewer defenders in the box for ten carries or for 10 of his carries. And it worked nicely because they, when the Chiefs use so much 11 personnel, it forces defenses to put a lot of defenders out in the secondary and it prevents them from stacking the box. And if the defense is going to give them that, the Chiefs have proven that they're going to take it. But at yeah. the goal line, it was really weird. That's so what I was about to get to that. I did the math for this. And if you have something else after this, just let yeah. me know. But Clyde Oversolaire had 10 red zone rushes last uh, on Thursday night. Sorry, not last night. In 2019, the Chiefs' leading red zone rusher was LaShawn McCoy with 18 red zone rushes. Yeah, so he had a ton. He had a ton of chances. He had six of his rushes within the five-yard line. Seven of them went for zero or negative yardage, and he had zero touchdowns. That's wild. Yeah, it was, as a fantasy owner of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it was not fun to watch. But at that point, if something is that unsuccessful, you can totally expect Andy Reid to make that the main focus of their next practice. They like, there's no reason you should have that many shots and not get yardage, even like one or two yards. I'm not going to lie though. When PJ Hall made that hit on Clyde Edwards Lair, when he did, Oh my God. Oh, I, that my, my entire body just shook. Like I felt, I felt that one for him. If he wasn't Clyde Edwards, if he wasn't Clyde Edwards Lair, I'm pretty sure his soul would just like left his body in that moment. He was like swallowed up. That was painful to watch. Actually, you spoke about, you talked about fantasy. According to Kevin Cole from PFF, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, outside the five, had or was expected to get 10.3 fantasy points. He got actually 20. So he's really good outside the five yard line in the open field. 20 uh, in what, what fantasy? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe PPR. Okay. And he only caught two passes. So it wasn't that much of a difference. Or he's only targeted twice. He might have only caught one pass. And inside the five, he was expected to get 15.8 fantasy points. In actuality, he got negative 0.2. That, that'll definitely be a, a focus of the Chiefs' next practice. Unfortunately, I 
don't think that they're going to be handing it off a lot more with so many weapons. There's going to be a lot of rollouts from Mahomes to Kelsey. And if you're if you're a, if you're a Chiefs fan, don't expect that production again from Sammy Watkins. That happens every year. It, it <laughs> really does. Has, he always has a week one performance, and then everyone picks him up, and then he doesn't do anything for the rest of the year. Yeah. So because we want to get through all the teams, we'll probably just keep it moving. I don't think Clyde Edwards Slayer is the worst short yardage back in the history of the NFL. I think he'll be fine. <laughs> I think that was mostly just a statistical fluke. But on the other side, the Texans, for me, the main problem was just the play calling. Their yeah. offensive line wasn't very good. Deshaun Watson held the ball for a while, and he held it longer as the game went on. But the play calling was just sort of a mess. They were running the ball way too much on early downs, and they punted the ball at least twice when they definitely should have gone for it on fourth down. Because you're just not going to beat the Chiefs with that, t- with that type of conservative play calling. And they play the Ravens next week, so we're going to learn really quickly if Bill O'Brien learned his lesson. Yeah, and and the Texans always start off pretty bad in most seasons. Like last year, they had a that rough start. So don't count them out yet. Obviously, they just played the best team in the NFL. It's too early to say anything about them. All right. What game do you want to go to next? Cleveland versus Baltimore. Interesting. Okay. Which team do you want to start with? Well, I feel like the more interesting team was Cleveland because Baltimore kind of did hmm. what we expected. Okay. Because the the Browns were awful. That There's no two ways to put it. They got six points, obviously against the Ravens great team like great defense but I mean six points in the first quarter and nothing else for the rest of the game Uh, Mayfield threw an interception on the opening series the first of three turnovers those miscues they had two missed kicks by Austin Seibert they had an unsuccessful fake punt nothing went right for the Browns my takeaway from the Browns game was for Cleveland fans just start watching Trey Lance's film (laughs) it might be a little bit early to say this there's definitely time for Baker Mayfield to turn it around, but he was a disaster yesterday. He was a legitimate disaster. And the biggest problem and the most concerning problem, I think, is that he didn't show any of the changes that needed to be made from last season. So in the pocket, he was antsy. His footwork was a mess and he kept bailing right, which is exactly what he did the last season. And they brought in Alex Van Pelt to help him fix that. Hasn't taken effect yet. And then he was really inaccurate when he was given time. I think that offensive line wasn't even quite as bad as it was last year. And he just still wasn't, he wasn't where he needed to be. So I think if things don't change, we could see a new quarterback in Cleveland next year. Yeah, and Odell also put on a shocking performance. Three for 10 is not numbers that you want from your number one wide receiver. It's not looking too good for the Browns. To be fair, Baker was sailing those throws over fair, Odell. Fair, 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 yeah. but there were, there were drops that could have been made. Yeah. For the Ravens side, my takeaway was that Lamar is just getting so much better. It's crazy. He was noticeably better, especially on deep passes yesterday, than he was all of last season. The touch on his deep patches, on his deep passes, was so nice. It was beautiful. He hit one to Mark Andrews, where I think he was running a dig route across the middle, and he put it over two linebackers right over his head, right on uh, Mark Andrews's hands. He hit a really nice deep ball to Marquise Brown earlier in the game, and Lamar was poised in the pocket. It was just really impressive. Yeah, I think this this game definitely showed more of Lamar than the actual Ravens just because it's just showing he's he's still improving and he was already one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year. It, it's, it's really scary because if he gets his passing game to keep improving, there's no stopping him. I think that for him, the ceiling is the roof, <laughs> as Michael Jordan nicely put it, and M&T Bay Stadium doesn't have a roof. 
So <laughs> you can see what I'm getting at. I, I think that Lamar's passing ceiling, not even his rushing ceiling, is probably top three in the NFL. Easily. Nobody's, Easily. Yeah, no, nobody's going to catch Patrick Mahomes. That's fine. But with the combination of his legs and even being a top 10 passer, and I think he probably already was that last season, but he can easily make the jump to a top five passer this year. And if he does, I don't know how you're stopping that offense. Yeah. Speaking of top five passers, let's move on to the Buffalo versus Jets game. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> that was not where I thought you were going with that. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Listen, I know what you're going to say about Josh Allen. I know he he super overthrew that dude in the end zone. Okay. That's, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm going to cut you off because I wasn't really going to dump on Josh Allen. That's the thing. I thought that he was pretty good for the majority of the game. You definitely saw some improvement on some plays. Like his intermediate to deep passes were definitely better than they were last year, I think. But he did the same types of like Josh Allen plays that you saw in the playoff game against the Texans last year. And as you were going to say, he took a bootleg from like the two yard line. He rolled out. There's nobody, there's nobody like charging him or anything. And he had a wide receiver with nobody within eight yards of him. And he threw the ball 10 feet over his head. Yeah, listen, that, I'm not going to argue that one because we could have made that throw. No, you couldn't have. <laughs> I think we could have. It's like a, it's like a five yard pass. That, that's true. That is true. But I'm never going to say that I can do anything in the NFL because the moment you I'm see how big those guys if are. I'm in Josh Allen's footsteps right there at that time. And I have Josh Allen, or sorry, Josh Brown right there. I'm making that throw. John Brown. Yeah. John Brown. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You know what? My favorite part of that entire play was that John Brown wasn't surprised. He didn't throw his hands up. <laughs> that, ha- that happened to him too many times last season, so he's not surprised. Yeah. Uh, if it was someone else, it was like Stephon Diggs. I think it would have been a little bit more of a reaction. Yeah. But, okay, what were you going to say about Josh Allen? Because, I, yeah, I did think that he did some really nice stuff yesterday. No, I, I you hit you hit most of my points. I was I was pretty happy with him before some of his Josh Allen moments. And I, and I wasn't too upset with his overall play. So I think that there's a lot more that we can see from him this year. It's obviously week one, and we don't want to judge anyone too soon. But one team that I will judge too soon is the New York Jets. Yeah, that Josh Allen performance – was a product of the Jets defense, in my opinion, more than it was of anything the Bills did. Although, I, I, you know, I can't put it all on the Jets. But last season, their defense was good. This season, their defense is, like, terrible. And so is their offense. It's going to be a really, really bad year. Oh, my God. They looked disgusting in that game. They didn't oh, – I don't even know where to start. Marcus May was the only guy that showed up on defense. He was all over the place. But unfortunately, having one guy on defense isn't going to do it for you, especially against a Bills offense and defense, which is pretty stellar. So that that was an abysmal performance. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if the Jets are going to be on national television at any point this year, because if so, I'm not watching that game. Oh, they're on Thursday night on October 1st against the Denver Broncos. Ooh. Ew. Ew. <laughs> oh, that's that's Ugh. nasty. And the combination of colors, too. Oh, that's really bad. Is that like, oh, they should they should have moved that game back to the end of October, right? Because that's like, that's Halloween colors, orange and green. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't, I just don't, just cancel that game. Just give it to the Broncos. I'm sure the Jets will be fine with resting their players for a week. Well, we'll, I, we'll, be, we'll see more about the Broncos tonight when they play uh, the Titans. And I'm, I'm really curious. excited for that game. I was more excited, and the Broncos look like they're going to be down their top two edge rushers and two of the better edge rushers in the league. I'm not sure Bradley Chubb is going to play, 
but that definitely took some of the luster off their season for me. I am curious to see how Drew Locke is going to do. Yeah, I just I just am excited for that game because it's a completely new offense. That should definitely be cool. I don't have any more for this game. I really don't think it taught us all that much other than that it confirmed our prior suspicions about the Jets. Let's talk about a game that's a little bit closer to you. I want to talk about the Falcon-Seahawks games. I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, we can talk about it. So, okay, the thing is that I was watching Red Zone all day, and that game didn't show up very much since it was sort of out of hand for most of the game, other than for, like, short highlights. So I'm pretty sure that you somehow got the entire game. What can you tell me from you actually seeing the entire game, like, every single play? Well, I mean, you can look at the stat line yourself. Russell Wilson is a a man amongst amongst boys. He literally chose, hmm, I'm going to throw it there this time. And it was always open. Either, either it was impressive. Either he's a magician, or he just makes the Falcons look silly. I mean, thirty for thirty-four, three hundred nineteen yards, four touchdowns. More importantly, <laughs> this is more importantly than just his basic stat line. I guess you know box score line. Russ got to cook in this game. It was awesome. Russ got to cook. So uh, Ryan Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll actually listened to all the fans. This stat was really cool. I think it was George Rui. Chavuri, I don't know how to pronounce his name from PFF, sorry, noted that the Seahawks were the single most pass-heavy team on early downs uh, yesterday from the first through third quarter because the game was out of hand in the third quarter, so they just started running the ball. They threw the ball on 68% of early downs, so first or second down. That's awesome. Well, I mean, mean, when something's working, you don't want to stop it. The Falcons' cornerbacks are abysmal. Sorry, I've used that word too much. The Falcons' cornerback is terrible, are terrible. And I think abysmal was a better word. The Falcons, the Falcons quarterbacks are horrific. And <laughs> it was clear. And um, Russell Wilson would be dumb to, to give the ball to Chris Carson when it's a free pass every time. But it was always dumb. It was always dumb. It was never not statistically more efficient to throw the ball in early downs. Yesterday, uh, they averaged 0.35 EPA per play on early passes. Well, they averaged 0.01 EPA per play on early rushes. They always basically did that, and they still ran the ball. So it was really nice to see that they didn't do that. And then Russell Wilson averaged 0.56 EPA per dropback yesterday. That is oh bonkers. That is – oh, that's 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 definitely going to be on the season end leaderboard because that yeah. is a bonkers style. And it's just when, – when you look at that game, the Falcons had pretty good interior presence. Tack McKinley played one of the best games in his career. Grady Jarrett had two sacks. They were all over the, the inside of the football. So all Russell Wilson had to do was drop back and pass the ball, and it was an easy completion every time. It was it was scary for teams who are happy to face Seahawks. Because going into the season, I liked the Seahawks players. You know, I thought they had a chance. I thought their coaches were probably going to hold them back more than they did. But I didn't think that they were quite in the same tier as the 49ers just because they were so lucky in uh, one-score games last season that – I didn't think that it would, that, that was going to be sustainable. This team looks very different than last year's the, team. This team, I would like to say, is was the most impressive team in week one, for, in my opinion, because I watched the whole game. I, I haven't seen a team that productive. Sure, it was against the Falcons' defense, which isn't great, but they were not making mistakes on offense, a few mistakes on defense. It was very impressive. They still they did give up a, a lot of yards on defense. I think and, that but this, that's just this, the Falcons. The Falcons have Julio true. Jones, who literally single handedly got them multiple drives to the red zone. 
the amount of times Matt Ryan did have had nothing open and just threw it up to him was ridiculous. The Falcons, this is one of my favorite stats from the day, quite possibly my favorite. The Falcons had three wide receivers with 100 or more yards, and they still lost by two touchdowns. Yeah. It, the Seahawks' defense, when it got into their zone, was, was pretty good. It's just the Falcons are so good at getting it down the field but are so poor at, com- at completing drives. Yeah. I don't have much to say about the Falcons other than that. I think this defense is just going to oh, cost them their season. I, I have one more thing about the Falcons. Young Hui Koo and Foyasado Luokon are the best duo in the league. They Confirm. are. That was that, Yes, absolutely. I think we can just like – they need a nickname. They need a nickname. <laughs> well, you know, I was talking to my boy Foye last night after the game, and, and, he, and he was very happy that I was praising him and Koo. But those two are outstanding. What was it on Thanksgiving last year when they had against the Saints when they had three completed onside kicks onside. to each other? Yep. That just doesn't happen. No, he's some kind of cheat code. I don't really know how it works, but it's really impressive. And that it might be this Falcons actual best weapon. I think their offense is going to continue to be really good. And I don't think their defense is going to keep them in games. Yeah. They're going to need to, they're going to need to win games 40 to 32 if they want to win. That's yeah, basically and, it. That the cornerbacks are are very are very poor. Yeah, that's all I had on that game. I think we can just we can just keep it moving. <laughs> I, I think that we learned more about the Seahawks than we did about the Falcons. I think yeah, that, that really just I think that just told us everything we already thought we knew about the Falcons. I mean, that was the most cliche Falcons game ever. It really was. <laughs> Speaking of cliche games, let's talk about the Detroit Lions. Oh God. I know, I know. I, I don't even have that much on the Lions other than that that was the most Lions game I think anybody's ever seen. I feel, I feel so bad for DeAndre Swift. Yep, that was exactly what I was about to say. I feel really, really bad for him. He was universally regarded as the best receiving back. Not universally because Clyde edwards Solaire is actually a really good receiving back, but he was one of the best receiving backs in the class, and he just dropped a pass right off his hands. He was known as a good hands catcher. It's really it, – oh, right in the end zone. It's a bad win start. The game for that relationship between between Swift and the Lions fans. He's going to need at least a game-winning catch to make up for that. It, that, that, that was brutal. I felt bad. I felt because Matthew Stafford did so well to get them back into that game, and it was a perfect, perfect ball yeah, right into the right hand. on his hands. At the same time, this game shouldn't have been that close. The Lions just didn't play that well for the vast majority of the game. Because for the first three quarters, or before Mitch Trubisky's uh, first touchdown pass in the fourth, According to Brad Spielberger from PFF, Mitch Trubisky was 13 of 28 for 158 yards with a fumble. And this was when the Lions didn't have their top three quarterbacks. So don't pencil Mitchell Trubisky in as a good starter. He made one or two really <laughs> nice throws in that last drive. That last boot to Anthony Miller was, was very impressive. That was a gorgeous throw. That was a really beautiful throw, but he was not good for that game. And I really was hoping that the Lions were going to be better this year. And their offense just really didn't do as much as I was hoping they were going to do. Overall, it was... It was just a very mediocre game. I mean, mm-hmm. both offenses didn't show too much. Obviously, Chicago came de- came back from, what, down 17? But like it, 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 it wasn't because of Chicago. It was because of Detroit. Mm-hmm. I think that Detroit deserved to win the game because of how well they did at the very last drive. But, you know, what can you do? DeAndre Swift dropped the ball. You can't go back in time. If you're Detroit, you just got to move forward. I do think Detroit is going to be better. Moving forward, I do think that they're actually going to be better. They were missing Justin Coleman, Jeff Okuda, and Desmond Trufant. So their top three cornerbacks, as I mentioned before. And Jamie Collins was ejected for pretty much the entire game because the ref flopped somehow. 
Oh, this, it was so bad. It was really bad. It didn't make any sense. Either way, I do think that this was, as you mentioned, it's a very mediocre game. It was a very Bears-Lions game. Yeah. I have more hope for the Lions moving forward than I do the Bears. Although both teams were missing one of their best players, the Lions, Kenny Galladay, and the Bears, uh, Robert Quinn. So maybe that'll change stuff around. Can't wait to see these teams play on Thanksgiving. Oh, God, shoot me. No. <laughs> oh. Mitchell Trubisky had better not be the quarterback by then. My biggest takeaway from this game for the Bears was that we're going to get two more weeks of Mitch Trubisky because of this, and I'm so mad already. Yeah, just – it's oh, my God. At least they don't uh, – I don't know. There's no at least. Both these teams are are very mediocre, and it's just it, – I, I hope I really hope that they realize that Mitch Trubisky isn't the reason for that. Okay. Do you want to do more mediocre here, or do you want to do a fun game? Let's let's do a fun game. All right, which which one do you want to do? I think the best game from one p.m. yesterday was Green Bay versus Minnesota. That's where I thought you were going. Okay, give me give me your Aaron Rodgers gloating before I take you down a notch while still acknowledging that he was really good. I told you so. I mean, I don't want to you say cannot, this in no, week one. Out. You cannot say that. I'm week just one. I'm just saying, Aaron Rodgers oh. is going to be a top ten quarterback this year. I'm going to TP your house, like, with the TP spelling out, I told you so, when Aaron Rodgers actually sucks over the long term. Because how you could you possibly say he's going to suck? No, no, no. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, so I, I was going to wait to take you down the notch. Aaron Rodgers was awesome yesterday. He was fantastic. He was hitting every tiny window. He was improvising when he needed to, but not too much. But he's done this. He did this He did this at least one or two times last season. He did it the year before that. He was still bad those years. And the thing is, yeah, is how that were they he hasn't last year when they went 13-3. and three. Wins are not a quarterback stat. We've done this before, yes, and I'm not doing are. it again. No, they're not. They've been proven not to be a quarterback stat. Oh, so my question is, can he keep this up? And I don't, I don't know if he can. Maybe he can. The Vikings' cornerbacks are not very good. He was still really, he was still playing out of his mind. I don't know if he can keep it up. That, that was where I, that's what I'm thinking. If he can keep it up, he's in line for another MVP season, and the Packers are an actual contender. Otherwise, mm-mm, mm-mm. he said it himself. This is the first time in ten years that his arm hasn't hurt going into the season. <laughs> That, that means nothing. They all say stuff. Yeah, but he showed it. I mean, 364 yards, four touchdowns. This isn't a Tom Brady. This is Aaron Rodgers. Okay. He's still elite. Yeah. I, I guess so. I'm, I'm, I'm dubious, but yes. I'm relatively dubious, basically, from every single stat that we've seen from, the, from since 2015 or so, essentially, 2016, maybe. It's been downhill. So, you know what? He had a great game. My honestly, my biggest concern for the Packers is that Kenny Clark injury. Kenny Clark yeah. is so important for everything that they do to stop the run and to rush the passer. And if he's out for a significant period of time, I think it was a groin injury. That's definitely going to put a damper on them. Yeah, um, but that's that's unfortunate. But when, with Aaron Rodgers playing like this, I'm, I'm excited for the Packers. What do you? What did you? What's your biggest takeaway from the Vikings? I think they're going to be fine. I really think they're going to be fine. The offense is sort of weird. Because they only use, according to Courtney Cronin, she wrote on Twitter, she's the Vikings beat writer for ESPN. After leaving the NFL with 13 touchdown passes off of play action in 2019, Kirk Cousins only attempted one play action pass on Sunday, and it was a 37-yard touchdown. That was the fewest in a game of his career as a starter. I don't understand why that happened. But otherwise, I think they're going to be okay. Aaron Rodgers was unstoppable yesterday, and yeah. they, were missing, they were missing Daniil Hunter. I think their secondary is going to round into four more because uh, Mike Zimmer always does it. So I think that it might take a couple weeks, but I'm not really 
that concerned about the Vikings. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, their offense go. wasn't too bad. Like their star players got star production. Adam Thielen got yeah. 110 yards, two touchdowns. Dalvin Cook he had didn't ha- two touchdowns. Yeah, Thielen didn't have those touchdowns or the yards really though until garbage time. So yeah. that that was a little bit more of a concern. My biggest problem with the offense though was how their offense was weirdly balanced for a game they were losing by a bunch of touchdowns right? for most of the game. They were running the ball way too much to be when they were down by that much. Yeah, but like it was so strange because they were they were so productive, but it didn't feel like they were ever just taking chances or taking risks. It felt like they were playing a safe offense the entire game, like all four quarters. Didn't Kirk Cousins have five passes through halftime or something like that? Yeah, it was it was very strange, and that's why they only had ten points at halftime. But yeah, that fourth quarter they they started to pick it up. They were three for four in the red zone. That's pretty solid. They didn't have too many penalties. It was overall it was a pretty good game for the Vikings. It's just the the Packers are just better. Yeah, I think we need to separate the garbage time stats for the Vikings from that game. I I don't really want to make any grand predictions about them yet. I think that we need to see more. That's basically where I'm at. Yeah. And that's a lot of these teams this week one. Yeah, absolutely. What we're here to make brash over predictions, like Adam saying, I told you so about Aaron Rodgers, and we'll be proving it wrong about in a couple of weeks. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's why we're here. Uh, okay, let's move on to a different game. And we have a couple different options. Do we want to go to the Dolphins or Patriots or the Chargers, Bengals or the Eagles, Washington football team? Well, I think we should save the Chargers, Bengals because that was a 4.30 game. Okay, so you want to hit the, all the one o'clock games first? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's, let's hit the Miami New England game. Okay, this game was fun or yeah. not fun, but it, like it was really interesting. It was you know what? It was interesting. It was really really cool to <laughs> see to what can. Yeah, I mean it was like a twenty to eleven game or whatever it ended up being. So it wasn't that fun in that regard. It was really cool to see what the Patriots were doing with Cam Newton. Yeah, I mean he he definitely was exactly what I expected him to be. He he ran, play. He did read options. I mean, Bill Belichick obviously used him correctly because it's Bill Belichick and he uses people correctly. I think it would have been a little bit more fun of a game if Devontae Parker didn't get hurt because after that, it just felt the Dolphins were completely outmatched on defense. Yeah, yeah. But I personally, I think that the that the the Patriots played a really good game yesterday. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about the Patriots. Mostly, I thought that I was not expecting the way that they would use Cam, just because he ran the ball or he carried the ball 15 times, 14 of them on design runs. That's crazy. That is, I thought he was going to run like six or seven times a game as they tried to make sure that he stayed healthy. That is just a lot of hits. And he was really, really good when doing it. He was pretty much their entire offense. Uh, an interesting stat that I saw, and I think that it just shows how much fun Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick were having. Uh, Cam Newton went eight of eight for 11 yards per attempt when the Patriots use motion, according to Mina Kimes on Twitter. So they were doing all the stuff that that I think they wanted to do for a while, and they obviously couldn't do with Tom Brady. The problem was that I think this really showed that the Patriots are more like a three or four win team if Cam Newton's out. They don't have anybody else. for sure. Cam Newton was their offense. His quarterback stats, like, aren't great because obviously he wasn't really playing quarterback that game. He was playing quarterback and running back. He was only 15 for 19 with 155 yards. But, I mean, he ran 15 times for 75 yards and two touchdowns. He averaged five yards for carry. That's, like, good for a running back. Uh, oh, no, he was great. He was he was fantastic running the ball. I'm really looking forward to the Sunday night football game between the Seahawks and the Patriots next week. That is going to yeah. be a really cool game. I think we're going to learn a lot about both teams from that one. Oh, for sure. I think 
it's going to be a battering. I personally think that the that the Seahawks are going to destroy the Patriots, but it'll be a fun game to watch nonetheless. I want to see if Russ gets to keep cooking. If he does, then yes, I'm. Then I think that the Seahawks are and, in a position to do that. Yeah, I feel like I, they won't let him cook as much as he did against the Falcons because of how strong the Patriots secondary is. That's true. But if he, if he plays even like half as good as he played against the Falcons, it's going to be a blowout. Agreed. For the other half of this game, I don't really have much on the Dolphins. I don't really know what I learned from that game. I think that we're sort of on like a Tua countdown. Yeah. Uh, they already confirmed that Fitzpatrick's starting next week. I don't think he's going to come in for a couple weeks, especially since they have a bunch of tough matchups. And I don't think they necessarily want to throw two in. So they might wait until like week seven or eight. But there isn't really that much to be taken from this team until then. Well, I thought something that actually surprised me was Miles Gaskin. They, they used him a lot more than I expected. Jordan Howard was nowhere to be seen. Eight carries for seven yards is not something that you want from what was your number one running back. I think we're going to see a lot more out of Miles Gaskin this year. He had nine carries for 40 yards and four four receptions for 26 yards. Very solid stats. And I'm excited to see how they implement him. I want to see more of the Dolphins just like so I can watch that offensive line. And I just didn't see enough to really take any take anything away from that offensive line. But I do I do really want to watch that because – that's really the key, I feel like, moving forward. More than necessarily the running backs who probably won't even be on the team by the time that they're actually trying to contend. So I, I didn't see much of that this week, and so I'm just going to reserve judgment. Yeah. Okay. Matt Hawk had some pretty nice punts. <laughs> <laughs> the, story, the story of the Dolphins. Okay. <laughs> we have a couple more games for the 1 o'clock time slot. This is the game I think that I want to talk about next, where I watched very little of it because I was on Game Pass, and they didn't show anything of it until the game was pretty much over. But it seemed like a really wacky game. Raiders-Panthers. That was a very strange game. <laughs> so it was a battle of the running backs. That's basically yeah. what it was. Josh Jacobs versus Christian McCaffrey. And don't get me wrong, it was a great game. But I couldn't make anything. Like, I couldn't make any compl- conclusions about Derek Carr or Teddy Bridgewater because the running backs just took over. The, Josh Jacobs the touched thing- the ball 25 times. Christian McCaffrey touched it 23 <laughs> That's most of the game. That was. The main thing I saw from what I did see was that I was impressed that the Raiders worked in a couple of deep shots for Derek Carr. So they had uh, the touchdown to Nelson Aguilar, and he threw a nice, uh, I think it was a post route, to Henry Ruggs before he got hurt. And he threw both of those pretty nicely. If they can work in a couple of those each game and keep the defense on their heels, then they're in a lot better shape than I, than I think they were, like than we expected, I guess. But, yeah, I didn't really get much from this. The Panthers' defense is really bad, and it's going to be bad. So <laughs> I don't I, I don't I mean, know what to expect. That game was literally Christian McCaffrey versus Josh Jacobs. There's nothing else to it. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey also had three receptions for 38 yards. Josh Jacobs had four receptions for 46 yards. They were touching the ball more than half of the time. It was, it was yeah. ridiculous. J- Jacobs looked great. He looks a little – I think he's a little bit bulked up. And I think he's – if he can stay healthy, he's going to have a huge year. Oh, 100%. Okay. Which, which Jason Witten had one reception for two yards. Really? Yeah. I did not expect him to get on the field. That's really stupid. <laughs> don't, play, don't play him. That's incredibly stupid. Dude, weirdest acquisition this offseason. Made no sense. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all the 1 o'clock games, right? We still have two more. We have Colts, Jaguars, Eagles, Washington football. Oh, team. okay. Let's, let's do Eagles, Washington then. Okay. Ew. I mean, <laughs> gross. 
my takeaway for the Washington football team was I think the defense and especially the defensive line was everything we were hoping it would be. And the offense was everything we expected it to be. Uh, and not in a good way for the offense, but in a really nice, in a really good way for the defense. They racked up eight sacks against a diminished offensive line. They were missing like three starters and Carson Wentz held the ball too long, but they did a really nice job of getting to him and their secondary held out or held up pretty well. Their offense did not do very much. Dwayne Haskins wasn't very good. Uh, there wasn't that much else. No, that that was that might have been the most boring game yesterday. It wasn't really a who won that game. It was more of a who lost that game, and the Eagles lost that game. Exactly. If you're a Washington football team fan, first of all, why? Second of all, don't get too excited. This isn't going to happen much. Yeah, I'd agree. The main thing I got from this game is I think this is going to be another 8-8 eight eight year for like every <laughs> team in the NFC East. It, oh, you think they, that you think that either of those teams are winning eight games this year? Well, they're all going to play each other enough times to get to eight and eight. Uh, no, I mean I don't think every team in the division can go six and ten. I do think the Cowboys are going to straighten out, but we can we'll talk about them later. The overall level of teams this year is higher than last year, so I don't I don't see any way that either of those teams wins eight games. That's true. The Eagles were expected to be the second best team in the division, and they have so many injuries. Is with this team as currently constructed, the way they played yesterday is more like a six-win team at most. Yeah. Maybe less. I, I think they're going to get better. What we saw, and my main takeaway, was that they really lived by Wentz, and then they died by Carson Wentz. So during the first half of the game, like during the first two and a half quarters or so, he was re- he was really good. Uh, he was hitting throws downfield to Dallas Goddard and a couple other guys, and then he just fell apart, and he started holding on to the ball for way too long. The offensive line stopped protecting him. He, uh, I think, threw two interceptions – Fumbled. I think he fumbled at least once. It did not end up. It, and uh, yeah, he basically just like fell completely off the rails at the end of the game. The Eagles went with him. Yeah. There's there's really not much to that game. Pretty boring. Yeah, I'd agree. Let's just keep it moving. We have one last one o'clock game, and this game surprised me. Minshew mania, really baby. Me. <laughs> that is yeah. Minshew was really good. He did basically what he does well. So he's he has good footwork in the pocket, and he does a really nice job of making high percentage throws. He had the highest expected completion percentage in the league, uh, and then he still had the highest completion percentage over expectation in the league. He completed 95% of his passes. But it was and, only 20 passes. It wasn't like a, an insane amount of passes. But Sure. Yes, still, still very impressive. Yeah, he basically did what they asked him to do, which is really what most coaches would really hope from their quarterbacks. There's very few quarterbacks in the league which really elevate your team. And Minshew's doing exactly what they need him to do right now. Yeah, th- this was this was probably the most shocking result out of all the games yesterday because of how high we are, how high we were on the Colts, and how low we are were on the Jags. But Philip Rivers is not getting it done for the Colts. I don't I mean, know. That's a, it's a, okay. Those two so interceptions would, were bad. But they're they're just they're Philip Rivers interceptions that he's made his entire career. Not even just like the last couple of years where he's declined a little bit. So I think that he was forcing throws downfield like he always does in every single game of his career. He's gonna be down by a right. score with the ball in the last two minutes. That's just that's just a rule of thumb. Yeah. I think I think that Frank Reich is gonna figure out the offense. And I don't think that this game is the end of the world for the Colts. I was more concerned about their defense. They shouldn't be giving up twenty seven points to uh a Jag- this Jaguars team. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty crazy. Keelan Cole got a touchdown. Chenault got a touchdown. Chark got a Chen- touchdown. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about for this game, really, for me, and you, you might have something else, was that I loved the way they used LaVisca Chenault. They talked about it all offseason, and I wasn't sure if I believed them. Uh, I also expected him to get hurt in training camp. 
But they used LaVisca Chenault in the Wildcat. They used him in motion on a wheel route. It was really fun. It was really cool. They used him in a bunch of different ways. And I think that that is definitely something to watch. That'll be one of the cooler gadget type of things that we'll see. Yeah, this, this, this was a lot of fun for me because both of my two guys overperformed this week uh, in this yeah. game. LaVisca Chenault, I was extremely bullish on this year. And he proved that he's going to be all over the place. And Naheem Hines was exactly what I expected him to be. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is the new Austin Eckler for Philip Rivers. Eight, he had the most receptions on the team. He had, the, he had seven carries, on, uh, and he had the touchdown on reception and rushing. That was exactly what I expected. If I could have told you a stat line before this game, that would have been it. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I told you you were crazy, but as it turned out, you were right this time. Yeah, I, I think that we're, we definitely see a lot more from both these teams. The Jaguars just aren't the worst team in the league. The Jets pretty clearly are. And I don't know if the Jaguars are bottom five if Minshew can play anywhere near like near this level. And that might be a bad thing for them because this team, as it's currently constructed, isn't going to do anything. They really need one of those top quarterbacks. And they might want to start losing. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't I, really want to hey, advocate. I love Minshew. I think that he could totally be a solid option at, at quarterback for the next three or five years. I don't think that that's the, that's the reason they should tank. I think the reason they should tank is because the entire team has zero depth. So I, mean, I agree, but I agree. But at the same time, if you have a chance to get a generational quarterback, and there's very few of those, you take it. And in this draft, there's one or two generational quarterbacks, maybe three. Fair. Right? I don't think the Jags are as much need as some of the other teams in the league. So that's the thing. Gardner Minshew is good. And I think that he's almost a Derek Carr like level quarterback probably cars a little bit better i don't really want to say that to car until we've seen more from Minshew. i don't think he elevates your team to the same extent as some of those other guys do and i think it'd be significantly better for their long-term prospects if they actually got trevor lawrence you just lock yourself into me- mediocrity when you commit starting gardner Minshew for the next three years i see i i agree that the offense is going to be mediocre but no matter what you get on offense this defense is in shambles and you need some you need people to back that to back that up they got rid of everyone basically this offseason mm-hmm. and they they need depth and that's not a time to get a quarterback when you have no defense agreed but if fields or lawrence are there when they're picking this offseason they're taking them pretty much guaranteed. yeah i don't think he will be though i don't think that the jaguars are gonna lose that many games yeah uh it would be interesting yeah okay we saw joe burrow not necessarily like blow everybody's minds, but he was good. He was fine, and he showed that he look. He basically looks like an NFL quarterback. He's that NFL already. All Bengals. Yeah, that's that's it. He's yeah. legit. That's basically what I had. The, just the, that last drive of the game when he brought the team down the field with no time left. I've never seen a rookie look more NFL ready than he did right there. His pocket presence on that drive was really impressive. Uh, he threw that touchdown pass to A.J. Green that was called back because of offensive pass interference. I think that he made some really nice throws, and if nothing else, that is a reason to believe. I do love that when Randy Bullock shanked the field goal. He, <laughs> he, he so faked the he, hammy. He grabbed his calf, and I thought it was legit. Oh, but yeah. Tom Pelissero tweeted at 1.13 p.m. today, so recently, uh, Bengals kicker Randy Bullock is undergoing tests, but that left calf issues that causes late this Sunday is nothing serious. Yeah, so uh, he, he might not, he he might not make soccer the player too. They don't, there's not that many other kickers to get, grab, and he's been pretty good for them. So he, I think that they'll stay with him. But wow, you don't really see kickers, you know, fake that injury that often. It's it was a bad a shank, though. It was a 
It was a it was, bad shank. It was a bad shank. It was a very easy chip shot for a guy who I think had made like 20 field goals in a row before then. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. Oh, time, I felt if so I, if bad I, for Burrow. Eh, I felt bad for Burrow. It would have been nice to get a win in your first game. But for Bengals fans, I, I was just happy that they have a guy. That's all they needed. They needed to know they had a guy. I really wanted to see Burrow in overtime, though. That, that would have been, been cool. so much fun. Yeah. For the Chargers, I don't know. I, I would just like – it felt like a very Tyrod offense where it Give was Give the ball very, to Mike very, Williams more. It was like all very conservative with a couple of really deep shots to Mike Williams. That's basically what we saw. He right? doesn't drop it. Yeah. Yeah. The He's got – Like they're three yards out of bounds he manages to catch. They yeah. don't count, I, I, but he'll catch them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. I'm just shocked that the Chargers didn't lose a close game for the first time in forever. Yeah. This is as as much as the Lions just blow games in the most painful way possible. The Chargers do too, and they always lose the close ones. So this is interesting. I want to see more. Char- I want to see more of the Chargers before I actually really decide anything about this team. I think that from what we saw though from Tyrod, we'll probably see Justin Herbert at some point this season because they're just going to want to get more upside. Oh, for sure. He 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 didn't do enough to to prove that he's he's worth the starting job. Yeah, I'd like to see him throw. I'd like to see them use him for more intermediate throws, right? Like, just push the ball downfield more is basically what I'm asking. Yeah. So, which 430 game do you want to move on to next? They're both pretty good. Okay, so let's end with the marquee game of the evening. So, which wasn't even all that interesting, honestly. But let's talk about the Cardinals 49ers now and then talk about the Saints Buccaneers. Okay. What did you get for the Cardinals? Because I thought it was an interesting game. I don't know. Yeah, so they really didn't use Kenyon Drake very much, which was a little surprising to me as a fantasy owner of Kenyon Drake. <laughs> but Kyler Murray, he did what he needed to do. He he hit he, new. Yeah. He he showed that he's the wide receiver one, which I thought was really important in week one. They needed to, to show that he is their guy if they want to boost his confidence. I don't know if zero passes to Christian Kirk was the right choice, but I mean – Nuke is the clear wide receiver one for that team. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he had 15 targets and nobody else on the team had more than five. Uh, I heard that in a podcast earlier today, actually. So crazy. I think that we didn't really, they didn't really open up like the playbook all that much just because the 49ers defensive line was in Kyler's face so often that they didn't really have any time for any long de- like developing plays. But instead, Kyler just used his legs on scrambles. Uh, he got, like, the vast majority of his yards off scrambles. And watching him run is so fun. He's so good. I he, think like, we've talked about on this a dive. too many times on this, on this, on this podcast. He ha- we have, but that touchdown run was awesome. And then one of the most interesting parts, I saw this on Twitter from Daniel Jeremiah today, actually, was that Kyler, on 12 of his 13 rushes, Slitter went out of bounds. And so he just didn't take any hits. The other one, he was pulled down by his jersey. Josh Allen He's, needs to take notes. Yeah, Josh Allen needs to take notes. Cam Newton needs to take notes. Or well, Cam Lamar Newton didn't fumble the ball twice. <laughs> that is true. In his opponent's territory, yes. Uh, so I think Kyler Kyler runs safely, which is even more important to extend his career. Yeah, and it was it was pretty good. I mean, there there wasn't too much to complain about on this on this Cardinals offense. They kind of did what they were expected to do. I would like to see him spread the ball a little bit more. Zero catches from um, Max, zero targets to Max Williams, and zero catches from Christian Kirk is a little worrying. So maybe get them involved. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the offense is going to look very different when they're not playing the 49ers. So that should be interesting. Yeah. On the 49ers side, though, 
I don't know. I, I I wasn't happy. They really didn't have any of their wide receivers, so you could take you can like keep that in mind. But Jimmy Garoppolo looked exactly the same. In the same way that Baker made all the same mistakes he made last year, Jimmy Garoppolo did too. He just basically showed an inability to move past his first read. His processing was really slow. On on the play that ended the game, it was fourth and five. They were on the Cardinal sixteen, and Jimmy was throwing an out route, and he threw it way too late, and he let the cornerback make a play on it. End of the game. That's it. Yeah, and we just we saw that too many times. And I just think that it's the exact same things, even if the wide receivers aren't as good as they should be. Yeah, and watching that game, it was clear that Jimmy Garoppolo was not a starting quarterback caliber player. He made some terrible passes, some really bad hospital passes to George Kittle. One at the end of the first half that almost injured him. He had to limp off the field. It was he just hung him out to dry on that one. It was yeah. so bad, and a bunch of underthrows. It was really poor performance from. Garoppolo I wouldn't even blame the wide receivers like I was expecting to blame them this year Raheem Mostert got the one receiving touchdown or sorry got one of the two receiving touchdowns Jarek McKinnon got one of the got the other one there the wide receivers were not getting good passes and that's why they weren't performing yeah I'm not ready to say that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a starting quarterback. I just don't think that he's ever going to – I think that we can pretty confidently say at this point that he's never going to reach, like, the tier that 49ers fans were hoping after, like, his first, like, five games with them or whatever. He's basically going to be the quarterback that he was last year, maybe a little bit better. And that's a quarterback that if everything breaks right and your defense is really, really good, you can win the Super Bowl with, but you're not going to win the Super Bowl because – and because He's like Minshew. Yeah, sort of like Minshew, sort of like Derek Carr. Maybe a little bit better. Maybe a little bit better than Derek Carr. So it's a question of whether they decide that whether that's enough or whether with the guys that they have and they have Kyle Shanahan. Like Kyle Shanahan can scheme stuff up for pretty much anybody. Whether they decide they just want to try for more upside. But this is also week one, so let's give it more time. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved to see more from the Niners, uh, but in reality, who are they going to pass to besides Kittle? <laughs> I mean, you yeah. saw it. they gave it to Mostert, Uzcheck, and McKinnon. Those are like three of their best wide receivers, and they're all running backs. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was a mess. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be the Kyle Shanahan show. He's gonna scheme his running backs into like positions to catch the ball. He doesn't have wide receivers. He'll put them in space against running against linebackers, and that's gonna work relatively well. But he can't do all of it with scheme. Jimmy Garoppolo is gonna need to do stuff. Yeah, he, he's that's, one of the best offense coordinators in the league. He just it, he'll he'll make it work. It's just I, I'm not I'm not liking Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, agreed. I think that. Just just from watching week one and overreacting to week one, the Seahawks 49ers race is gonna be very close. And I'm not I'm not willing to say yet that the Seahawks are definitively ahead. But I I'm not gonna <laughs> overreact to week one that fast. If they give Russ the ball the way they did this week, then yes, I would happily say that. This was the marquee game of the day, and I found it really disappointing in mainly in the way that it portended bad things for both teams in the future less so for one of the teams, but we'll see. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the New Orleans Saints, and I nearly went insane because Red Zone spent the entire game, or like the entire afternoon, showing that game when I was already watching that game on national <laughs> television, and I just wanted to watch the other games. Anyways, which team do you want to talk about first? I want to talk about the Bucks first. Okay. Tom Brady I feel like is I, a 43-year-old like bum. Wow. Okay. That didn't take long. Defend that. Did you watch a game? I mean, I he did. didn't play well. He didn't throw the ball well. I mean, there's I, not I much, there's, there's not much to say. He had he had two terrible interceptions. 
He didn't give it to Mike Evans when he was open. He didn't give it to Chris Godwin when he was open. Six receptions. He could have had 12 easily. He loves Scott Miller, which doesn't surprise me. He loves his short white receivers. It was, it was, it was gross. Okay, so I'm going to defend your side and then actually take the other side, which I've been taking all offseason, and I've made clear all offseason, and that's what, and this is why I'm not willing to put the nail in their coffin. So I think Tom Brady looks pretty much exactly the same he did last year. He's just not quite as decisive. He's taking too many sacks, and he looks like he's a little bit of in the face of pressure because he doesn't trust his wide receivers, and that's not great. Bucks coach Bruce Arians actually said today that, and this is a quote from Rick Stroud on Twitter, he looked like Tom Brady in practice all the time, so it's kind of unusual to see that in a ball game because they didn't do things that we didn't get ready for. Everything they did, and they as the Saints, we thought we were ready for. So basically, he's saying Tom Brady did not play the way that he expected him to. And that is very blunt, and I don't think Bill Belichick has ever said anything like that about Tom Brady. <laughs> Bruce Arians talked about that like uh, Jameis all of last season, and I find it really funny to see him doing the same thing with you know, the greatest of all time on his team. But at the same time, it's too early. I said all offseason that I think the Bucs will be good eventually. They have so many weapons, but I don't think that they're going to be good from the start. I think yeah. that their offense really needs to spend a lot more time together. Tom Brady's always depended on a, a connection of trust between him and his receivers. And I don't think he necessarily has enough time to develop a perfect one the way he did with like Julian Edelman. But he and Chris Godwin are meant for each other. And I do think they're going to be a lot better moving forward. I, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I, was, <laughs> I, I, I was more bullish on the Buccaneers this offseason than I am now. And I wasn't too high on the Bucks this offseason. I had them winning nine games in our predictions. I have them winning eight now. I can see them as an eight and eighteen. Tom Brady is not a top fifteen quarterback. He's never had this many weapons and he does not know how to use them. It's gonna be a mess going forward. Especially in such a tough division. I'm I'm not hopeful for them. Okay. Well, I'm not saying that he's not a top fi- I'm not saying that he's a top fifteen quarterback. I don't necessarily think he is, but I think that all the players around him make this a, a good team that defense is really really good under Todd Bowles they gave up 34 points but they didn't actually give up 34 points they just had a bunch of really short fields one of them was a pick they uh, Tom Brady threw a pick six and so I think that they, their defense was actually really good although part of that had to do with the Saints offense which I'll talk about in a sec I think that their defense did a really nice job and I think that Vita Vey is Vita Vey is looking good their cornerbacks are looking good that's fine but at the same time some of this had to do with the Saints offense because Drew Brees looked terrible Really bad. No interceptions, but only 160 yards for Drew Brees is weird. Drew Brees looked like playoff Drew Brees, which is awful to see at the beginning <laughs> of the season. Because for the past couple of years, his arm has just gotten tired over the course of the season. So by like week 10, he just starts playing worse. And, you know, he isn't getting the ball downfield. His throws don't have the same kind of zip. And we saw that in week one this year. That's not good. I'm not saying that, that Jameis Winston should be the starting quarterback because it's week one. But I'm not not I'm not <laughs> saying that I'm not not gonna say that after week three, because there isn't I don't really know how much room there is to go up. Give it if Drew Brees plays the way he did, and Jameis Winston gives that offense a lot of upside. The biggest problem with Drew Brees is that he wasn't even accurate. You know he's always been accurate, but yesterday his completion percentage over expectation was the third worst in the league at negative eight point eight percent below what he was expected to produce. That's really bad. Yeah, they still put up thirty four points though against a good defense. But those they did, but those thirty four points were a lot of really short fields and a and, pick six, and a and a pick six and some and some rushing luck. So just a couple of, played great. Sort of, he had some really nice runs, and he had a bunch of them where he was just where he was tackled for a loss. 
Yeah, I didn't. He, he played well in the passing game, though. That's true. Agreed. The whole only throws I, that, that Drew Brees could make. Yeah, I don't know. This Saints team, that defense looked fantastic. They looked really good at every level. Cam Jordan was a nightmare for the Bucks offensive line, which is actually the main thing I'd be concerned about for the Bucks. Their left tackle, Donovan Smith, was a disaster. So Cam Jordan was really good. Uh, Demario Davis was awesome at the linebacker level. And Marshawn Lattimore shut down Mike Evans. He had, yeah, I think Evans had one catch for two yards, and Lattimore wasn't even on him on that play. So they were fantastic on defense. Their offense needs to match that. Okay, I think we should move on to the last game of the night because of how long this episode's going. Sure. Uh, what did what did you, what was your biggest takeaway from the Cowboys after their seventeen to twenty loss against the Rams? Okay, I think that the play calling was awful. I think that it was so conservative, and I think that cost them the game. So there's a couple different there's a couple different ways that you can look at this for the play calling. I think it was sort of bad in every aspect. I think that you really saw Mike McCarthy's influence. They didn't use motion for some reason. They used motion on 4% of plays, according to Seth Walder from ESPN, which is 23rd out of the 28 teams who played this weekend, or I guess this week. And last season, they used a lot more motion with Kellen Moore, and Kellen Moore's still there, so I'm not sure what happened. At the end of the game, on their defining drive, they threw short of the sticks on fourth down, and CeeDee Lamb was tackled one yard from the sticks because they threw short. That didn't make any sense whatsoever. They didn't throw any deep shots until they tried, like I guess, airing it out to Michael Gallup on the final drive, which was not, not which was not a pass interference, but whatever, that's something else. And so it said they were trying to throw so many like six to 10 yard passes that it just made it really easy. The Rams would give up a couple of them and eventually the drive would stall out. And then also they were running way too much on early downs. Their early rush EPA per play was 0.02. while their early pass EPA per play was 0.31. And give me one second, cause I'm gonna pull up how often they did it. But basically they were running the ball all on early downs, they ran it 21 times and they threw it 35 times. That ratio should be much more significant. And they, especially the running on early downs wasn't the best option against Aaron Donald, who, as we saw, was a beast. Oh but God. I agree with you. You should definitely be using more motion, especially with C.D. Lamb, one of the fastest receivers in the league in your arsenal. It was, it was terrible play calling, especially towards the end of the game. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not that concerned for the Cowboys. I don't think that they're necessarily – I think that Mike McCarthy is going to stifle them. It was nice to see him going for it on fourth down, although he immediately talked afterwards after the game about momentum, which is not great to hear. <laughs> so he learned something from analytics, but clearly not that much. And so I think that they're going to be the best team in the NFC East, but the question is by how much. Yeah, and it sucks to see Blake Jarwin out for the season with the ACL tear. That really but... sucks. He was looking really good. Yeah, but at the same time, that wide receiver core is so good that it shouldn't have too much impact. It's crazy. C.D. Lamb looks awesome, and so do Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. Use C.D. Lamb more. They're using all. They're really using all of them. Uh, I think they, yesterday. Do yesterday, some end arounds. Yeah, that's true. They should. They should do some of that. They just need to be more creative, and I hope. I hope we'll see it. I think that this game actually taught us a lot more about the Rams than it did about the Cowboys, because I thought that their defense was significantly better than I expected it to be. Yeah, especially after losing some key guys like Corey Littleton as a linebacker. It, it didn't show. I mean, they, they yeah. played great. So Brandon Staley is a new defensive coordinator. Well, he did a really nice job of using Aaron Donald, but then at the same time, he targeted the Cowboys' right tackle, I believe. who I'm not even sure who it was at the end of the game because their top tackle, Lel Collins, was out uh, before the game, and then their backup right tackle went out 
later in the game, I think, or like in the in the beginning of the game, and they just targeted him and then didn't give Dak yeah. any time to throw. So that was really nice. It was Terrence Steele, I think. It was. There you go. Thank you. But I, I think that the combination of Donald plus Ramsey just did a much better job than I expected. And they sort of allowed 30-yard drives and just sort of forced all the Cowboys drives to stall out after that point. Yeah. I agree with emphasizing their defense because their offense really wasn't anything special. It was very Rams-like. It was very um, to script, I think is the best way to say it. Yeah. But they're, like, their cornerbacks played extremely well, as, like, as good as you can against such a good wide receiver core. John Johnson stepped up. Mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey did Jalen Ramsey thing with that really good sell on the last play. Yeah. Really, you couldn't ask for more from that defense against such a strong offense. I would like to see some more from their offense, though. Absolutely. Like, the best way to describe what McVay did with Goff was that he he just used kid gloves, I think. (laughs) Goff averaged 4.3 intended air yards per play, I guess, for the game, which is by far the least in the league. Last year, he averaged, like, 8. So, they used a screen game a ton, which is interesting because they barely used running back screens last year. And so, it's good to see that involved, but not quite that much. Goff actually made some really nice throws when he actually got the chance to get set. He did one to Van Jefferson that was really nice, I think. But he needs to be doing that a lot more consistently for this team to really reach its potential because you can't win that many games when you're throwing the ball literally behind the line of scrimmage every single time. Yeah, and I, I think it's pretty clear that Malcolm Brown is our RB1 for this season. They they used Cam Akers 14 times, Malcolm Brown 18 times. Malcolm Brown had 79 yards and two touchdowns. Cam Akers had 39 yards. Sean McVay loves stats and... I'm sure he'll love those stats from Michael Brown, and I think he'll be the RB1 for the rest of the season. I think it's a little bit bold to predict that at this point, but Brown did look better through yesterday. There are, oh, actually, the most important thing that we saw for the Rams quickly, but so we can wrap it up, was that their offensive line looked way better than last season, and that changed their, their entire <laughs> yeah, team dynamic. For sure. And having a guy like Andrew Whitworth there to help out the younger offensive linemen is super nice, especially with the shortened offseason. So I think that that definitely helps them meld together. Yeah, I agree. If that offensive line can hold up the way it did yesterday, this team definitely has a much higher ceiling than I expected. And it could be a true four-team race in the yeah, NFC West. Yeah, 100%. Okay, I did say the NFC South was the best division of football. I'm willing to switch it. Yeah, well, I mean, the NFC South, as of yesterday, has one good team. Especially, <laughs> especially if you've given up on the Bucks, which I oh, haven't yet. Sure. But I think that I think they have two good teams, but I don't really expect the Falcons or the Bucking or the sorry or the Panthers to be a contender. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else that you want to add before we sign off? No, I think we hit most of our points. We're gonna try and keep these a little bit shorter than this. This was obviously week one, so we're just getting used to it. Yeah. If you have any criticism, let us know. Thanks for listening. <laughs>